All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 13. And as you're turning there, the boss said to his employee, he said, this is the third time you've been late this week. Do you know what that means? The employee said that it's only Wednesday. Patient said to the doctor, doctor, I have a dreadful fear of speed bumps. The doctor said, don't worry, you'll slowly get over it. Anyone need explanation, just stay after church and I'll, I'll explain them to you. Amen. This morning I want to talk about outside the camp. We're going to start reading right in Hebrews chapter 13, skipping down, starting at verse 7 if we can. Hebrews 13 starting at verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith you should follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which you have not profited uh, those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, there's a lot of hidden gems in this passage this morning. For example, verse 8, that's Probably at the top of my list, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Then we have verse 9. Do not be carried away about with various and strange doctrines. Now, I'm convinced this church has good doctrine. It has good standards. It has good people. And it has eh, okay preaching. Amen. Someone asked Sister Lorraine, she said, uh, they said, you, you and Brother Ken have been going to Silver Lake Community Church for quite a few years. Why do you keep going back? She said, well, we heard the pastor had a good sermon, and we keep coming to hear it. <laughs> but seriously, I believe when we find a good thing, we need to stick with it and make it great. Amen? That's what I believe. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. 
When they're talking about serving the tabernacle, they're talking about the Old Testament, being under the law. Amen? Under the law, you have no right to eat at the tabernacle of Christ. Amen? The new tabernacle. God has always, always had an altar. We need to understand that. And all those who search for God, they can always find him there. Amen? In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, God instructs the Israelites that they are required to make five different sacrificial offerings for their sins. The first was the burnt offering, and that's outlined in Leviticus chapter 1. The second was the grain, sometimes called the meal offering, and that's outlined in Leviticus chapter 2. The third was the peace or fellowship offering, Leviticus chapter 3. Then you had the sin offering in chapter 4, and the trespass or the guilt offering outlined in chapter 5. Now, these offerings were to be made at the altar of the camp and were to hold back God's wrath upon their sins. Now, we have to understand that these sacrifices could never forgive. They could never wash away their sins. They could only hold back God's punishment until Christ could come and pay our sin debt on Calvary. Amen? Our sins can only be paid in full by the sacrifice of a perfect and sinless man. And that is the man Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. You know, in the Old Testament, mankind looked forward to the cross and his promised Messiah. Today, in the New Testament, under grace, we look back to the cross and, it, and the finished work of that Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So now, with... Some of these sacrifices, the meat was given to the priest for him to eat, but not the meat of the sin offering. Look at verse 11. For the body of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, talking about the sin offering, they are burned where? Outside the camp. So what is the Bible talking about when it's talking about the camp? What is the camp? Well, the camp was where the Israelites would stop, and they would pitch their tent as they traveled through Egypt during those 40 years heading to the Promised Land. When they left Egypt, each family took a small tent that they would live in during those 40 years that they wandered in the desert. And every night... Remember, the the Shekinah glory cloud of God would move, and they would know it was time for them to move. And when it stopped, they knew it was time to pitch their tents. And every night when they stopped, they would separate by tribe. Each family would go and join the tribe in which they came from to set up their tent. And every tribe had a specific place to set up their tents inside the camp. Some were on the north side, the east, the west, the south. And every family within that tribe had a specific place to set up their tent. So it was very organized. And every night, this traveling city would look exactly the same. And this grouping of tents is called the camp. Amen? The camp. So when the Bible's talking about outside the camp, it's talking about being outside the people of God. 
being outside the boundaries where the children of God dwell. Amen? So that's the meaning of outside the camp. Now, think of the work of the church today. Most of it's done where? Outside the camp, right? Most of the work of the church is not done in these four walls. It's done outside the camp. Most of the witnessing, most of our outreach is not done inside this church building. It's done at work. It's done at the grocery store. It's done on the, on the sidewalk, on the street corner, even at home. It's done outside the camp. You see, as a Christian, we go from the house of God with the gospel of Christ to the unsaved, to those that need to hear it. That's our calling. Amen? That's our responsibility in Christ. Look at verse 13. Therefore, let us go forth. Amen? That is the calling of every born-again believer. Now, once the Israelites finally entered the promised land of Canaan, and they built the temple there, Jerusalem now became the camp. Amen? Jerusalem was now the camp. So let's go back to verse 12, and that should give us a little better understanding to what we're reading here. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered where? Outside the gate. Outside Jerusalem. On Golgotha's hill, on Calvary's hill. Jesus died. All alone, outside the camp, in shame, in disgrace, and in reproach. And we need to understand how thankful we need to be that he did die outside the camp. That's showing us that salvation is not exclusive, but all-inclusive. Amen? He went outside the camp saying that salvation is now offered to everybody, not just those inside the camp. And we need to praise him for that. Amen. So now let's consider the other things that were outside the camp. Amen. The first thing the Bible tells us that was outside the camp is the trash dump, the trash heap. Now, God was very specific in the Old Testament with what was permitted inside the camp and what had to be kept outside the camp. And one of the things that had to be kept outside the camp was the dump. This was all the rotting and decaying and, and repulsive stuff. Amen? This is where all the garbage was dumped. All the things that nobody wanted was tossed outside the camp. Now, we think in terms of today. How do we apply that to today? Today, we need to understand that there are many people rotting away and decaying in their sins. They are held captive. They are held in bondage to this world, to the flesh, and to Satan himself. They're desolate, and they're all alone. They feel unwanted. They feel like they're loved by no one. And we can see that we just listen to the news, read a newspaper, 
suicide has just increased astronomically over the last few years because of this. People believe they have no hope. They're loved by no one. And as God's children, we are called to go outside the camp to reach those in the trash heap of this world lost in their sins. Amen? We're to go outside the camp and find those without hope and let them know that there is a precious Savior who loves them beyond measure. Amen. Secondly, what else was outside the camp? Death row was also outside the camp. God commanded Israel to carry out the death penalty. That's God instituted. He wanted them and us to understand just how serious sin truly is. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. Amen. The wages of sin is death. And they were not to delay the death sentence with years of court appeals like we do today. They brought the accused to trial. And if convicted, they were immediately executed outside the camp in public view. The Bible clearly teaches capital punishment both in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. Now, some argue that the death penalty is not a deterrent to, to violent crime. But one thing I know for sure is that murderer who's put to death will never take another life again. Amen? That's just plain and simple. So, I want you to kind of listen to some of the crimes that were subject to the death penalty in the Old Testament. Cursing. Amen. To be stoned to death outside the camp for cursing. Not keeping the Sabbath or any other violation of the Ten Commandments. They were to be taken outside the camp and stoned to death. Adultery, incest, all those resulted in death outside the camp. Now God sums all of this up in Leviticus chapter 20 verses 22 and 23. Let me read that to you. He said, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. Now, what God was saying here is God was saying, this is for your own good. I'm telling you these things to keep you uh, uh, pure and to keep you from harm. Remember, every time God says don't, what is he really saying? He's saying don't get hurt. Amen? When God tells us don't, he's saying don't get hurt. And he said, and if you don't obey my commands, then I will take your land and your blessings from you. That's what he's talking about, that the, that the land may not vomit you out. When God says don't, he's telling us don't get hurt. Amen. Just like us when we parent our children. You know, we see them reaching towards a you know, hot stove. What do we tell them? We scream as loud as we can, don't. Don't get hurt. And he's telling us the same thing spiritually. 
You see, we have to understand that tolerating sin and a failure to correct it will destroy a person, a family, and a nation. Amen. What else was kept outside the camp? Well, lepers and the multitude were also kept outside the camp. Now, we just considered those who were executed outside the camp, but there were also groups of people that lived outside the camp. Amen? And, the, and one group was the lepers. Leprosy, we need to understand, was a horrible, disfiguring disease. Lepers were considered unclean and sinful. Most people in the Old Testament believed that someone who contracted leprosy was because of their sinful lifestyle. Now, leprosy, it was a... It, it was, not only was it horrible and disfiguring, but it was also very painful. The leper's body, and I apologize, this is right before lunch, but the leper's body would literally rot away. Fingers, toes, feet, legs, even their eyes would just rot and fall off and fall out. Leprosy was also very contagious. Lepers had to wear a mask, and if anyone started to approach them, they had to yell at the top of their lungs, Stop! I'm unclean! I'm unclean! To warn people that they had leprosy. It was a miserable and lonely existence. Their health was gone. They usually died alone. And their home was gone, as they could no longer live with their family. In their own home. We need to understand that leprosy is symbolic of sin and the devastating effects that it has on our lives as well. Think of all the people that are alone today in isolation because sin has ruined their lives. Whether it was infidelity or an addiction or some other sinful decision, their lives were destroyed. And they were left alone. Think about our prisons and how overflowing they are because of sin. Leaving those prisoners separated from their families and, and children separated from their parents. Sin makes us hideous. It makes us wretched. It makes us unclean in the eyes of a holy God. And just as with leprosy, sin will steal our joy our contentment, and our peace as well. It makes us anxious. It makes us full of worry. It never lets our mind rest. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 20, 21. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Friends, praise God that Jesus Christ is the cure. Amen. Once we place our faith, once we place our trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible guarantees that our sins are forgiven. They are removed from us forever and ever, never to be brought up ever again. We trade that worry for peace and rest. No matter the circumstance going on around us, we know 
that everything's going to be okay. Amen. Does it matter what kind of uh, circumstances we're in? Does it matter the, 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 the valley that we've been going through? We know that eventually it's going to be okay. Now, another group living outside the camp we'll just call the multitude. And that's made up of trespassers. Now, we hear that term in the Bible a lot. What, what does it mean to trespass? Well, a trespass means that we do what we know is wrong. That's what it means to trespass. When we know it's wrong and we still decide to do it anyhow, that's a trespass. Who else was part of the multitude? Backsliders, right? Those who were once close to God's size, but they have drifted away. Complainers. The Bible talks a lot about complainers. I'll give you a good example. Miriam, great example in the Bible. We read how she gossiped and complained about her brother Moses. What did God do? God smote her with leprosy and sent her outside the camp. I think more churches ought to preach on that subject, amen? Complainers. Who else was part of that multitude? Well, it talks about drunkards and thieves. And it also talks about the Moabites and the Amorites. Now, why would God give, up, give that group? Well, basically, he was saying it, it, it was made up of any other person that opposed the work or the people of God. The Amorites and the Moabites were, were known to, to go against the Israelites, so they represent, they are symbolic of any group that oppose the work or the people of God. They are outside the camp. So outside the camp lived a great multitude of people with a great multitude of need. Amen. That's the main thing that we need to see here. That great multitude that lived outside the camp had a great need. And the same is true today. We need to understand that God has a multitude of blessings prepared for those who are willing to go to them outside the camp. We need to praise and thank God that Jesus died for our sins. That he went all alone outside the camp that he became sin for us so that he could pay my sin debt, he could pay your sin debt, he could pay our sin debt. Amen. We need to understand that the day is very near. When the father is going to say to Christ, Son, go bring my children home. Christian widows who've been separated from their Christian, Christian husbands will be reunited once again. Moms, dads, children who've been separated by death will be able to wrap their arms around one another once again. And Jesus will be standing at heaven's gate with his arms open wide, saying, well done, my child. Enter into the joys of my heavenly kingdom. So let us go out. Let us go forth to those outside the gate and share the love 
and the hope of Jesus Christ.